Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today's Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm Stephen Overly. Last week, Arizona State became the first university to ink a partnership with OpenAI that will see the business grade version of ChatGPT brought into English classes, biology labs, and financial aid offices. To me, this was big news. Every educator I talk to seems to approach AI with a mix of trepidation and dread. But here's one of the biggest universities in the country going all in with the hottest AI company in the world. I had to know why, so I called up Lev Gonick, the Enterprise Chief Information Officer at ASU, and the brains behind this new OpenAI arrangement. I'm generally not one for hype, but I happen to have had a moment 30 years ago when the web browser got introduced into its general use. Honestly, between now and then, I haven't seen anything with the kind of potential that we are seeing with generative AI as a moment in time. I I see it as tectonic. So as big as the arrival of the internet, the consumer internet, that's big. That's as big in, in many ways when history is written, it may end up actually being even more impactful. For someone not about the hype, Lev is super enthusiastic about AI. You'll hear it throughout our interview. But opinions on this are still really mixed, which, to me, speaks to the central tension facing every university. At places meant to foster human intelligence, where exactly does artificial intelligence fit in? On the show today, Lev on why ASU has decided to fully embrace AI. So I understand that this, you know, new partnership you have with OpenAI really began about six months ago or so with a visit to the OpenAI headquarters. What was that like for you and and how did it lead to this moment? Well, um, to be honest, I kind of just knocked on the front door, as it were. I mean, you know, it wasn't a very formal exercise, you know, through some good folks inside the open AI world who, you know, had been dealing with a lot of us banging on their doors trying to figure out, okay, how do we begin a dialogue with you about education? You know, I was invited while during a visit to San Francisco, walked into this kind of interesting building without a lot of signage or anything else, had a great conversation with a bunch of folks and broke bread together. And then subsequently had a a series of exchanges and Zoom sessions and then, you know, started knocking out the details. And so you went knocking on on their door. Why? What what was uh, so interesting or or appealing to you about getting this involved, you know, getting chat GPT or, or generative AI at your university? Well, this aligns very much to the ASU mission, which is all around scale of access to education for you know the largest university in the country, trying our very best to continue to leverage technology as a driver for excellence and student success, and understanding that this was a moment. This was a moment in time when this incredibly disruptive and potentially a transformational technology was waiting just across the street from where we were standing at trying to engage in you know, how could we walk together and figure out how to actually develop a program that would lead to student success. And of course, being a university, research matters a lot. So how do we advance the research? My part of the university, like how do we just make it easier to you know, operate within the university? It's a, sort of the third leg of the stool, if you will. 
Let me play devil's advocate here a little bit, because there is a lot of debate right now about AI and academia, right? And so much of the conversation that I have and that I see seems to center around this tension that, you know, universities are are built to be these places of independent thought and, and sort of teaching new skills. And to many, I think they see generative AI as sort of cheating or a shortcut in some way. Why embrace it? Yes, at ASU, like that's just never been our attitude to technology. I think we've been leaning into how to leverage technology. You know, a dozen years ago, we you know we had fewer than 500 students enrolled in online education. Everyone kind of thought it was the you know lesser version of online learning. Today, we have over 90,000 students completing over 300 different degrees at ASU, designed by our faculty, taught by our faculty. And, you know, in many ways, it's going to be where the market is and where the market will be going. And I think in generative AI, you know, it's pretty much the same kind of of thing. It's here. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. What we want to do is make sure that, you know, our students understand that the principles of academic integrity, you know, which is basically, if you're going to use tools. You got to make sure that you know how to use citations. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, for example, in our law school, we invite students to use ChatGPT explicitly, but we tell them that they should be actually noting that they use ChatGPT as part of their application process. And a lot of other on our website, the ai.asu.edu, you know, we give lots and lots of insights to professors as to how to include ChatGPT and other generative AI tools into their syllabus and making sure that they share with their students their expectations and the academic integrity standards and so forth. Got it. So you've sort of been setting expectations, putting parameters around it for for a while then, it sounds like, to to try to manage some of those concerns. Has there been any pushback to this? You know, I, I see that at universities that, I, that I'm involved with where they're, you know, it's sort of you have the the folks who say this is here, you know, there's no getting rid of it. We have to make the best use of it. And folks who are resistant to that, you know, and, and I wonder how you manage those two kind of schools of thought. Well, again, I, I think that ASU in general uh, has been at this. In some ways, we're kind of catching up to where many of our faculty are. You know, Two thirds of our students, Stephen, have already been using ChatGPT. We know that from our network analysis. Right. So they're there. Enough of our faculty are there. So the real issue is, can the institution begin to channel and make use of kind of an enhanced set of features in the enterprise version of ChatGPT that protects our intellectual property, which is like non-trivial for a university, as well as protect the privacy of our students to make sure that they aren't unwittingly giving away their personal health information or any other uh, personal identifiers, which again can happen in the consumer way that we use ChatGPT. This is you right. know, one of the most important things. And you know, this is really the breakthrough for us is kind of you know, forging that enterprise-ready use of the tools. And how are you managing the data privacy concerns and sort of the intellectual property concerns? I, I did want to ask you about that because both are kind of so central to a university, right? How do you protect your data? How do you protect your IP? It's a central issue for universities, absolutely. And in our conversations with OpenAI, we reviewed the architecture of the enterprise version of ChatGBT. And we actually not only have an undertaking, but we understand now the technical framework that 
basically assures us that none of our IP, that is to say nothing that we are contributing in the use of the generative AI, actually is going to be utilized by them in the training and the use of their actual ML, their machine learning algorithm. So basically, you know, we can make use of the large language model. They don't get to actually train their machines on our content. So your data is not kind of going back to the company, going back into the AI itself. Correct. And so that's sort of the central issue. Again, not only for a university, but you can appreciate any large organization, any organization that has kind of as one of its most important currencies, its intellectual property. And of course, at universities, we do. Right. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You know, the other concern I hear about with ChatGPT or, or any of these generative AI platforms is, you know, what's called sort of hallucinations or, you know, these these sort of fabrications. And we've seen stories about this, right? Like, you know, it making up court cases, it making up quotes or articles. Do you have any sort of assurance that it will be kind of accurate to the standards you need? Well, actually, that's on us at ASU. So, you know, the way the enterprise version of ChatGPT affords us an opportunity is to curate our own content that is then utilized by the machine to actually give feedback to those who are using it. You know, and honestly, all of our testing that we've done, the fidelity, that is to say the accuracy of the feedback for research activities, where again, you don't want to be hallucinating, if you will, making the research findings, the accuracy has been very high because again, we don't actually ingest all of the information that is in the general internet, which then gets scraped and consumed by the machine in the consumer version of ChatGPT inside the enterprise version. Basically, what we put in and what we curate is actually what the machine gives us back. And that has proven to be both for fact, for also accuracy, has been a very high fidelity along the way. And, you know, we're teaching, right. again, our faculty. We have over a thousand faculty members here actually going through their own education on how to use ChatGPT in a way that is essentially helping them with entry into the world of prompt engineering. How do you prompt the machine to make sure that, in fact, that it is delivering the kind of information to you and your students or to your research lab in a way that reduces the problem probability of some inaccuracies or hallucinations. And so with that in mind, I mean, what will the rollout of this, you know, look like? I understand that, you know, starting in February, you know, you're going to really be integrating this into classrooms and research labs as kind of a, a tutor or assistant or, or, you know, if you will, if I'm, if I'm a student there at ASU, you know, how will things look different to me? The way mechanically we're rolling this out is really it's just a call for great ideas or interesting ideas, projects. To be honest, we're overwhelmed. Over the weekend, I must have received probably 60 or 70 suggestions by faculty and staff on great projects they're already doing and how do they get into the queue to quickly get not only access to the enterprise version of ChatGPT, but also to Elizabeth, the woman who actually runs our AI acceleration team. And you know, she and I spent most of the weekend dealing with, all right, how are we going to 
start this week processing all of the inbound interest. Some of these projects I knew about across the university, but some of them are just fantastic and they just, you know, they're all showing up at our front door. What are some of the boldest ideas you're hearing right now? And I realize it's it's early. Who knows if you'll pursue them? But I'm just curious what what kind of ideas you're hearing from all these people who, who are interested. Well, there's a whole range of activities that are related to the personalized AI tutor world. And some of it is like, you know, a lab buddy, you know, who can work with you. Some of it is really, I think, quite exciting. Here at ASU, we have a fantastic offering in our biology and soon chemistry and earth sciences, which we call Dreamscape Learn, which is a fully immersive virtual reality experience for our students. And now one of the fantastic ideas that's come up is can we create a chat GBT AI bot that is an avatar? inside this uh, in-world program. We have 10,000 students who've gone through it. Can we personalize it and individualize it by giving uh, people who uh, participate in the biology sequence that kind of experience. We have, you know, the largest class we have is a writing class. It's 20,000 students taking that freshman comp. Can we leverage that to actually give people, individual students, individual feedback on a literally, you know, essay by essay or, you know, writing assignment by writing assignment by leveraging the chat GPT. We've got all kinds of uh, back office uh, applications where there's a lot of uh, anxiety in certain parts of the university calendar like financial aid can we use you know chat gpt to help create a personalized individualized experience so that people aren't wondering and then getting very concerned about when they're going to get their financial aid so that they can pay their rent by their uh, learning materials and so forth tons of research projects again there's no shortage at the moment here and you know i, I think for the next 2 to 3 weeks uh, you know we're just going to be sorting how to get alignment uh, and our talent in play to help these folks you know you mentioned the financial aid example and i can see like uh, an AI bot that sort of walks you through applying to financial aid, you know, may be helpful. An AI that decides who gets financial aid may raise different questions, right? So, like, what's your thought process been around where AI is acceptable and where it's not? Yeah, about six months ago, we actually created a faculty ethics committee. Okay. And it's now met, uh, I think we're either have had or about to have our third meeting with the faculty ethics committee. And we bring all of the kind of tough questions about, you know, kind of what is reasonable and acceptable use of the AI through the faculty ethics committee for guidance, uh, for feedback. It's not because there's always consensus, but for, for feedback on it. So we, we, you know, we use that framework of engaging our faculty ethicists and they come from a wide range of backgrounds from law to philosophy to health and medical ethics backgrounds and the like. And we get, I think, good feedback. It's not because it's going to be perfect to answer, you know, the questions about kind of what we do and what we don't do, but it's probably a whole lot better than me or someone in my shop making that decision. I, being in Washington, I talk to policy people all the time, right, with these AI questions. You, I'm, I'm sure, aware that the Department of Education right now is sort of working on a toolkit for schools, right, for, for who want to use AI in safe and, and responsible ways. I wonder if you're providing any feedback to regulators or lawmakers from your experience of integrating AI. You know, is that, is there sort of a formal way in which you're engaging policymakers here? 
Yes, just before the holiday break, we were invited by the governor's team here in Arizona to brief uh, senior staff on policy-related opportunities, uh, questions to be asked, approaches to be taken, agency strategies and uh, technical and technical architectures. We had the state CIOs team as well as the uh, CISO, the security team. Uh, you know, in the briefing session, those conversations now have broken into you know separate streams of work. Uh, we've certainly been. In Washington, D.C., talking about kind of our overall plan. And again, not surprisingly, over the last short couple of days here, it turns out it's uh, more invitations to go to Washington, D.C. than I've probably received in the last year. I have arrived in my, my, my inbox. And does it go the other way at all? Are you sort of, when you're in these conversations, asking for guidance on anything in particular from lawmakers where you've sort of realized, look, we really need the law to weigh in or policymakers to weigh in on this question or, or that question if we're really going to make full use of AI? Well, at the moment, we have put together a, a kind of general strategy, which we have trial ballooned, if you will, you know, trying to get a little bit of interest. And that has to do with whether or not we can work with industry, but with some, as it were, sort of acknowledgement or formal engagement with policymakers on actually creating an industry education alliance to certify that solutions that are being delivered for the education marketplace meet both security, privacy, technical integrity work in the form of, if you will, like lead certification, which we do, of course, for buildings. You know, industry actually pays for a certification that basically provides a standard. Bond rating agencies do the same thing. We think the time is right. You know, we hope that policymakers would be open to the education community and the vendor community working together, but with their blessing, policymakers' blessings, to actually create a self-regulating environment for this moment in time. Because we do know that there will be both intentional bad actors uh, trying to enter into the marketplace, as well as folks who are just, you know, don't have the the right technical skills to make a run at this. And so we're definitely going to need some kind of a framework for engaging this work. And we can either go at it through trial and error, or as we've been proposing with a number of our colleagues, trying to do this in a way that involves um, a little bit of uh, formal collaboration and a regulated uh, framework. Are we going to have uh, AI professors and classes just completely run by, you know, AI, AI powered uh, robots, or if you will? It's possible that there'll be some variations on that theme. Uh, you know, I, I don't see anything, uh, you know, around sort of replacing the great professor uh, experience uh, here. But, you know, here at ASU, we talk about the A and AI as augmenting human intelligence, augmenting education, augmenting the ways in which, you know, we teach and learn. You know, in that environment, uh, I could see uh, all kinds of ways in which faculty didn't have to do a lot of the tedium that is part of the teaching and learning process and hopefully unleashing more creative juices. Got it. Well, Lev, listen, interesting um, interesting stuff happening there at ASU. We'll have to keep tabs on it, but appreciate you being here on Politico Tech. Thanks for your interest. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our producer is Afra Abdullah. And our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here tomorrow.